Before a newly elected president can begin to exercise his office, he has to take an oath. And in that oath, he promises to do all in his power to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. And why is that? Well, very simply, it's because the Constitution is at the foundation of our life as a nation. The structure of our government, the responsibilities of the various branches of our government, and all of our civil laws are supposed to be rooted in the Constitution. Some of us, of course, would argue that many of our current laws are not rooted in the Constitution, but they are supposed to be. Which brings us to today's first reading in Gospel, both of which are about marriage. In today's first reading, we hear about the creation of Eve, whom Adam immediately recognized as his equal. That's the meaning of the expression, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Adam was saying, oh yes, this is not one of those animals I've been naming now for a time. This is someone who is equal to me in dignity. Adam also affirmed Eve's uniqueness and her complementarity to him. Thus, it's clear from sacred scripture that Adam and Eve were equal but different. And because of their physical difference, they were able to engage in the marital act through which new life could come into the world. As the author of Genesis put it, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife, and the two of them become one flesh. This one flesh union, incidentally, is only possible between a man and a woman, just in case anyone is unclear about that. And then we have Jesus in today's Gospel giving the Pharisees a little lesson. He gives them a lesson on the permanence of marriage. They appeal to the law of Moses in order to try to justify divorce. But Jesus tells them that God only tolerated divorce among the Israelites for a time because of their stubbornness, because of their hardness of heart. Then Jesus takes them back in time not to the period when Moses lived, but to the very beginning of human history. And he makes clear to them that God's original and perpetual intention for marriage is that it be a permanent bond. And then he concludes with those famous words, therefore what God has joined, no human being must separate. It's no secret to any one of us that the institution of marriage has suffered greatly in recent decades. But that really shouldn't surprise us, because the priesthood has also suffered during the same period of time. I remember a professor of mine, a theology professor at Providence College many years ago, making a statement in class one day that really struck me, it really hit home. He said, you know, there's always a parallel between marriage and the priesthood. And so in the 2,000 years of Christian history, 
Whenever you come upon a time, a period of history, when the institution of marriage was strong, you will also find that during that period of time, the priesthood was strong. And by the same token, when you come upon a period of history, when the institution of marriage was weak, as is the case in our generation, you'll also find that the priesthood was weak. That made a lot of sense to me because both marriage and the priesthood are rooted in permanent, lifelong commitments. So what can we do to improve the situation with respect to marriage? Can we do anything at all besides pray to help things get better? Or is the situation hopeless? And there are people out there who say it is. Marriage is finished. It's hopeless. Well, I don't believe that. And here's where the parallel with the presidential oath of office comes into the equation. I said at the beginning of my homily that when a president is sworn in on Inauguration Day, he promises to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. And I said he does that because the Constitution is at the very foundation of our life as a nation. Well, marriage and family life, as our Holy Father reminded us last week during the Festival of Families, marriage and family life are at the foundation of every good and stable society. As the Catechism puts it, the well-being of the individual person and of both human and Christian society is closely bound up with the healthy state of conjugal and family life. And so I would say that what the President pledges to do with respect to the Constitution, all of us need to pledge to do with respect to marriage. We need to do all that we can to preserve it and protect it and defend it. First of all, we need to do our best to preserve it. And that applies not only to marriage as an institution, it also applies to our own marriage if we happen to be married. Those who are in the know tell me that marriage is work. They tell me that marriage isn't easy. They tell me that marriage requires effort, a lot of effort, and a willingness to compromise and a willingness to forgive, and a lot of other virtues as well. And you know what? I believe those people. They know, by experience, what they're talking about. Thus, it should come as no surprise that in our society right now, the pressures, the pressures to give up, the pressures to, quote-unquote, jump ship, when things get difficult in marriage, those pressures are intense. Now, to be sure, some marital situations are intolerable and dangerous. And that can make the separation of the spouses legitimate and even necessary. As the Catechism tells us in paragraph 1649, many people aren't aware that the Church says separation is sometimes acceptable and necessary under certain circumstances. But in other cases, reconciliation is possible with the help of programs like Retrovi, which I've spoken about in previous homilies.
And I really believe we need to support people as much as possible in making those efforts at reconciling. In other words, marriages that can be saved should be saved. And at this point, I, I should mention the fact that we are blessed, we are truly blessed in this community to have many couples who've been married lots of years, 40, 50, 60, even 70 years. These are couples who give us hope. These are couples who can and who should inspire us, but especially they should be inspiring to those who are in difficult marriages at the present time. Those couples show us that lifelong commitments are still possible in this wacky world of ours. They're not easy, true, but they are possible with a lot of work and a lot of patience and a lot of prayer and a lot of forgiveness. So first, we need to preserve marriage. Secondly, we need to protect marriage. We need to protect it, first of all, from those who want to change it into something less than a lifelong commitment, which is precisely what some people in our society now are desperately trying to do. They want to have marriages that are like Major League Baseball contracts. You know, you sign up for a few years, and then when the contract's over, you become, for lack of a better term, a free agent. So it's more than just protecting marriage from the people who want to change it into something other than the union between one man and one woman, although we need to protect it from that assault as well. But we also need to guard marriage against those who want to destroy its permanence. And those who want to say that openness to children in marriage is something that's optional. Not every married couple, as we know, will be blessed with children. But every married couple must be open to the possibility that God will bless them with children. Now this means we need to be ready and willing and able to defend marriage. We need to be able and ready and willing to defend it when the Pharisees of our day attack it or try to undermine it in some fashion. I ask you this morning, how would you answer the following questions? What is marriage? Why is marriage important? Why is it in the best interest of a society to protect and promote marriage as the union of one man and one woman? How do children benefit from being raised in a home with a father and a mother who are married to one another? What's the difference between a divorce and an annulment? If you don't know how you'd respond to those questions, then God's message to you today is very clear. The Lord is saying to you, you need to do some homework. You need to learn how to respond to questions like those in a clear and reasonable way. Because, my brothers and sisters, if marriage is at the foundation of a stable society, and it is, then our society will not improve 
unless the institution of marriage improves. And marriage will only improve if we do our best, our very best, to preserve it and protect it and defend it, like Jesus did.